Welcome to the Racisms Podcast. We're your hosts, Jazlyn and Lisa. We decided that this world could use more cross-cultural conversations that seek healing over division, understanding over ignorance, and a better world overall. Welcome back to the Racism Podcast, where we have cross-cultural conversations to make this world a better place. I'm Jaslyn, co-host of the podcast with Lisa. Hello. First, we'd like to thank another supporter on our Buy Me a Coffee page. Jen, thank you so much for mm-hmm. your support. Remember, listeners, you can go on buymeacoffee.com slash podcast to donate and show your support for more seasons of this podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the intersection of traveling and race, how our racial identities affect our perception of travel and the experiences that we have while traveling. I personally caught the travel bug while I was in grad school, and I like to explore different countries and cultures. But as time has progressed and I get more educated, I've become more aware of the impacts of perceptions of uh, me and the prejudices that sometimes discourage it, discourage me from traveling to certain places. Lisa, what is your travel experience in general and how do you feel about travel both domestically and internationally? Yeah, Jasmine, this is a great topic uh, because you know, as a kid, I didn't travel much. Uh, my parents, you know, they took us to Taiwan, uh, took us back to our roots and, you know, our family. But that was basically what I did when I was a kid. Didn't really travel much outside of, you know, my hometown of Philadelphia and then Taiwan. And I think growing up, as I grew older and traveled, like you said, in grad school uh, and traveled to places outside of like the Philly metro area, I, I it was uncomfortable at times. Uh, and yeah, there's just, you know, places where I look forward to going and places where I'm like, hmm, like maybe I should uh, do some research first or maybe I need to be on guard more. Uh, but that's, so that's how I feel about it. Uh, just, I have preconceptions of places too, If even if, you know, if people don't have preconceptions about me. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I feel the same. Um, I have preconceptions about certain states and areas of this country as well as of, you know, different countries. So, I mean, you know, it shouldn't discourage us, but, you know, at times it does. And it discourages Mm -hmm. a lot of people from even trying to travel. So Mm -hmm. we'll get more into that in this episode. But I want to know, is there anywhere that you have traveled that you felt like totally comfortable um, being there in relation to your identity. It could be domestic travel or international travel. Whenever I visited California growing up, I felt pretty comfortable, but because there's a large uh, Asian population there and I was visiting people that I had met, met on a missionary trip with my Chinese church. So I remember visiting there having no problems, you know, had no, nothing scared. <laughs> I wasn't scared to visit California. What well, part of California? Um, like Los Angeles area. Hmm. Okay. I've also been to San Francisco. That was okay too. I guess because I figured San Francisco was a 
very touristy town, so there'd be a lot of tourists there. Mm. Uh, where else? New York City. I felt comfortable. I feel I feel comfortable going to any big city. I would say, mm-hmm. um, maybe going to big cities in the in the the South Texas. I would be a little bit like uh, I guess I don't really give it much thought either. If I went to a big city in Texas, because it's a big city, so maybe I tried to travel just to big cities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's. I have a similar feeling, like metropolitan or more urban areas would probably be more my speed to travel to, especially if I'm not familiar with the the area. Mm-hmm. I would feel more comfortable in a place that. Um, there was a good mix of people already, you know, who lived there. Um, so yeah, New York City was cool. I've been to Chicago plenty of times, you know, I'm from Chicago, so I do feel comfortable there. Mm. Hmm, California. I don't know, it's hard to, to say when you're going for tourism versus if you're going to like, visit family or you're gonna be Mm -hmm. in a a residential area Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean California was cool but I don't know how it would be to live in California Mm -hmm. especially outside of like LA or San Francisco because you know California is a big state and um, (laughs) the you know sentiments differ Mm -hmm. based on where you are Mm -hmm. Is there any place internationally, like when you went to Taiwan, were you, you know, pretty comfortable there? Yeah, I, I was pretty comfortable traveling uh, to Taiwan, uh, Japan, Hong Kong. I wouldn't say I like blended in because I think people could tell that I was uh, not native. They, they, they knew I grew up somewhere else. Um, but pretty comfortable traveling, even traveling by myself. I think that's one of the, but you know, I traveled by myself to these places when I was uh, in my early 20s and I was quite brave to do those things in my early 20s because now I would not do that. I would not travel by myself anymore. So there's a level of uh, not naive, naive, that word, you know. Naivete. Yeah, when you're the, when you're young and you're like, I can travel to these places by myself, no problem. Uh, so, but I did feel comfortable uh, as, as an identity because I was comfortable listening to the language, you know, eating the food, um, reading the signs. Uh, so that's, but I haven't, tr- and I've traveled to Europe before where a lot of things are in English, so that's been okay. Uh, but I haven't been to, I haven't been to any countries where things are in a, in a language that I have no idea how to read. Uh, so that's something that I haven't done yet. Yeah. How about you? So are you saying you do not feel comfortable doing solo travel anymore? That is true, yes. I am quite a scaredy cat now. Why? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it's just the older I am, I just ha- I think too much. You know, what if this happened? What if that happened? Whereas in my mm. early 20s, I'm like, explore the world. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, that's just me, though. I don't know if other people feel the same way. But yeah, the older I've gotten the less um, brave I am to do certain things on my own. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, for me, 
I've traveled to a few countries internationally. <laughs> I'm a world traveler. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I don't remember any place. Of course, you know, I'm probably more aware now, but mm. I don't recall any place where it was a problem of, you know, with my identity and being there. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like first time I went to Japan, I had a great experience, you know, no problem. I didn't know the language, mm. couldn't read the signs or anything, but, you know, the people are just very nice there. Um, I did have one experience there where it was like, <laughs> I didn't feel welcome but maybe it's because I'm not Japanese and not just because I'm black. Mm. Um, but overall, yeah, I can't think of any place that I felt like, you know, man, I these people don't like me or mm. they're a threat to, you know, I, I could be in danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What what about your experience in France? That's one place that I have preconceptions about. Mm. That I've heard um, people had not great experiences there. Mm. What is your perception of from when you traveled in France? I think for the most for the most part, I felt pretty comfortable. Uh, any any. Any negativity that we might have received uh, is is because we were from the United States. So people maybe thought people from the United States acted a certain way, uh, as well as mainline China. Uh, sorry, my people. Uh, there are also preconceptions about the way mainland Chinese travelers travel. Uh, so I mm-hmm. think we were either we, we were like grouped into like either negative stereotype group um but like but it wasn't dangerous it was just like hmm like is this like service that's like normal to france and uh, we were in paris uh, was that normal to just paris or was it because of us like i couldn't really tell because like service in the united states is so much different than outside of the united states like outside the United States is just like, like, here's your food. There's not really a lot of like, how are you doing? You know, are you having mm-hmm. a good meal? So not what, a lot of what was the experience? Like, what was it? I liked it. Like, I liked, I mean, just give me my food and go. I don't need to have like a conversation with. Oh, like, they just kind of dropped the food in front of you and left you alone. <laughs> kind of, yeah, basically. I mean, they placed it gently down. So it wasn't like splattering everywhere, but it just, I liked it because it's kind of a business transaction, right? Whereas here in the U.S., sometimes you feel like you have to like have a conversation with your with your weight person, um, which is nice, you know. Not to not to say it's not nice, but <laughs> I appreciate kind of just you know getting there, getting my food, leaving no no frills. <laughs> so to me, so, mm-hmm. I didn't feel any different traveling there than I did in Asia same level of service it's just a business transaction mm. yeah like when that's interesting come- somebody might get that same experience and think you know you know what's what's wrong with them mm. <laughs> they can't 
interact with me. They're just going to drop the food off. Yeah. So I guess it's about your your perspective. Right. Right. And, like, I kind of understand. So, like, there, if you, go, like, go to Chinatown in New York City or Chinatown anywhere, you know, there's a, there's a, maybe a preconception that the wait staff is rude, uh, not very pleasant. Uh, but to me, you know, having lived in Asia, I mean, that's just the way it is. They're not there to, you know, have a friendly conversation, to make sure that your every need and want is fulfilled. Like, they're just there to get you your drink, get you your food. You know, if you need something, holler. They'll come over and help. But it's not a, it's not like if you go to, you know, a a Western chain restaurant where they're, like, telling jokes or, you know, it's just different. And to me, I understand that difference. Maybe it's a cultural mm-hmm. thing. And to me, it doesn't seem rude unless, I mean, I've definitely had very rude <laughs> servers. And I can tell the difference between rudeness and just, that's just the way they are, maybe. It, especially with okay. Chinese restaurants. So. Yeah. That's good. Good to know. <laughs> and if and I think if you go to Paris, it's a big, the big, the big city, right? It's, it's. I, I didn't travel outside of it, though, you know? I didn't go to, like, the south of France or anywhere else. So maybe in other parts of France, it might have been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, the stories I heard were from Paris. Oh, okay. <laughs> so are there any places that you have an idea about or preconceptions about that would you know, prevent you from going there because of how you think you'll be treated or how they've treated um, different racial groups in their country already? I think internationally, I don't, I don't have any places where I'm like, I, I would never go. But do, like domestically, I think there are more places that I would not feel comfortable going. Like I hear about, for example, like I hear about people doing like cross country bicycle rides, you know, or like mm-hmm. cross country RV trips. You know, I'm like I'm, I'm think to myself, oh yeah, that would be cool. But I don't know, like, so I, I mean, I had this friend who did a cross country bicycle ride, and you know, he was white. And he would stop at just like, you know, random motels, you know, pay 10 bucks. They would let him have a shower and then he would like be on his way. Uh, I don't know if I would feel comfortable just pulling up to any, you know, Mm. motel and asking for that service. Uh, So I don't have any specific states. I just think that it would be I'd have to do a lot more like planning to do that kind of stuff where I could travel through metropolitan areas or uh, yeah it's very I think there's more places in the U.S. that I would be not comfortable passing through than there are safe places or safer what I think is safer to pass through and that's because of your racial background or yeah I mean I think there's many I think there's many places where they've not seen a Chinese person before. <laughs> I don't want to go to those places. <laughs> Why not? You could be the you be the pioneer. <laughs> be like a sideshow, like I mean, because I've uh, <laughs> a sideshow. 
Like, come look at. I mean, I've definitely got stairs still. I think in some like I went to Rehoboth Beach. Um, I think. I mean, I think there are still kids staring at me like uh, they've never seen an Asian, <laughs> never seen a Chinese person mm. before. It is interesting. That is interesting. So the places that you have been, like Rehoboth Beach or wherever you travel, and people are staring at you, what is your reaction? I don't really have one. I I internalize it. I think, huh, I wonder why they're staring at me. Am I, is it in my head <laughs> or is it actually happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't confront anyone about it or anything. I see. Yeah, try to ignore it. Have a good time. And it doesn't stop you from going to Rehoboth Beach. Hasn't stopped me. No, you're correct. No. But, you know, many people who go to Rehoboth Beach, I bet, are tourists. So they're not, like, from there. So I'm not, I don't want to judge, like, the people who live there. So I don't know where all these people are coming from. So, you know, it could be that I'm the first, per- first Chinese person they've ever seen. Or, you know, they like my outfit. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's the outfit one. What are you wearing on the beach, Lisa? That's the question. Just, just regular old clothes, you know, T-shirt and shorts. <laughs> Yes. Real, real plain. <laughs> How about you? That's another question. Do you mm. try to downplay your appearance or your presence in places like that or anywhere mm. that you might not feel totally comfortable? Uh, you know, I travel with my kids, so... Not really a lot of downplaying in terms of like trying to just be quiet and let no one notice us. I don't think I try to downplay it. I don't typically, I don't dress like in a different way mm-hmm. going there than my normal life. It's not like in my normal everyday life I wear like Asian inspired prints or, you know. So I, I, think, I, I, think, I'm a, I think I'm a normal person. I think I'm normal when I travel as the same as I am every single day. Um, how about you? What do you what are you what are you thinking when you're when you're uh, when you're saying like downplaying or just bonding? you know not wearing maybe graphic tees that might have some sort of opinion on it or. Oh. You know, like you said, maybe some ethnic inspired wear, you know, just trying to blend in the best you can. Mm. <laughs> well, the best anyone can. Um, maybe wearing your hair in a certain way for me. Mm. Yeah, things like that. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I don't have a, any graphic tees that... I would typically wear that are like political or um, have quote unquote controversial things on them. So no, I guess I, I don't, I guess I don't feel like I need to and I don't have to cause that's not like, I don't typically dress in a political way. And then when I go on vacation, I dress in a apolitical way. I think I'm pretty apolitical every day mm. uh and i guess as an asian person i have i have straight hair 
so it, it just it looks the way everyone else's hair looks except it's it's you know jet black yeah well how about how about you do you do that then um i don't really do you know a lot of graphic tees but i think i would be more aware yeah so you know things like that i just would want to avoid any potential problems Mm. you know wherever i went and i guess i would that would show up more in places I'm unfamiliar with or places that I have um, a preconception about the people that live there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like from like when you talked about that, I mean, growing up, my parents didn't speak much English. So we spoke we spoke Chinese at home. And then when we would go out to let's say Atlantic City or New York City you know sometimes I'd be as a kid I would be like embarrassed that we were speaking Chinese out in public like we all we should you know show everyone that we're just as just as American as everyone else but I think as a as an older person now like that doesn't bother me anymore you know I'm proud to speak whatever language I speak out in public Um, but that's definitely a way that as a kid I would want to blend in when we traveled is like Let's speak English, you know, as loud as we can. Everyone knows that we we grew up here in the States. So are there any groups or like YouTube channels that you watch or social media accounts that you follow that maybe are focused on travel? Um, maybe the person is of your identity or your background that gives you like insight on travel or makes you more comfortable to travel Hmm. well recently uh recently started following this uh asian i think she's chinese and she lives abroad in germany uh and she talks she talks a lot about like the differences between like her culture and the german culture so when i see people of my identity living in these predominantly white countries it does make me feel like oh I could go there one day if I wanted to and it's kind of like she's doing the research first so that I can get a little bit of like knowledge some research before going that I may not find from you know a wikipedia page or a travel brochure I kind of like those insider people who've like done it first and that gives me a little more Mm -hmm. security saying okay well you know they're they're living there they're they have some challenges but they also have some really positive experiences so i like finding those people um on social media yeah i agree there's a lot of youtube you know channels that talk about living abroad especially from the black perspective Mm -hmm. i watch black in japan a lot because mm-hmm. it's so interesting to hear, you know, first of all, what brought them to these different places and then to hear about their experience. Um, they do different countries, not just Japan, but mm. yeah, I like things like that. And also there are a lot of websites that focus on like traveling while black mm. that have articles on different places or 
Maybe there are some travel groups that travel together. So I, I try to look out for that, especially mm-hmm. if I plan on traveling somewhere. I want to get kind of a preview of another person's experience. Um, yeah. Do you feel like it's do you feel like it's it's hard to travel while black? I don't think so. <laughs> I think that um, people might think it is mm. just because, you know, racism is an international phenomenon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think it's that hard, especially if you're like a tourist and you're maybe doing a tour or you're, you know, staying in the touristy places. Mm -hmm. People understand that tourists are there to um, stimulate the economy. So (laughs) maybe that kind of, you know, gives you a pass. Um, Also, sometimes, you know, being black or the only black person kind of gives you uh, you know, a special, special feature. Mm-hmm. You're a special person. <laughs> I remember in Vietnam, I was at a you know a touristy place, and just taking pictures. And these two schoolgirls came up. They're like, "Oh, can we take a picture?" And I was like, "Okay, let me. I'll take a picture of you." <laughs> they're like, "No, we want a picture of you." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, well, why?" And they said, "Because you're special." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Okay, <laughs> go ahead, take a picture. Mm. Um, so happen, luckily, did that happen in Japan yeah. too? No, nobody took a picture. Well, not not known to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, somebody could have took a picture that I didn't know about, but no, no one in Japan came up and wanted to take mm. a picture with me. But yeah, in Vietnam that happened. So. <laughs> But yeah, I haven't, luckily I haven't had a poor experience. Now, another thing that I've noticed is that um, because I'm an, you know, an American, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. in certain places that people receive Americans to have money. Mm. And so they kind of expect maybe more or, you know, they'll charge you more mm-hmm. or they'll, you know, ask for money or, you know, anything because you're an American. I remember in Ethiopia, I almost got scammed. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy wanted me to pay him because... He hung out with me and my friends like the whole day. I guess he called himself showing us around when in, in reality we were fine. <laughs> he kind of just attached himself to our group. And we're like, oh, okay, we're meeting people. <laughs> and like at the end of the day, he was like, um, so you're going to give me some money? Mm. I was like, no. <laughs> I thought we were just hanging out. <laughs> no, I sold you around all day. Anyway, so that mm. was weird. Thank you.
Yeah, so is there a place that you maybe were a little nervous about going, but you went and it turned out to be not so bad or nice, a nice place to visit? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would say nice, but not so bad is a good descriptor. Uh, okay. In, in grad school, I went to New Hampshire for a training and I was real nervous about going that far north uh like mm. again like i've been to as far north as i guess state i mean the state college isn't very north but that's like in the center of pennsylvania i i didn't feel great going there even though it's a college town i still didn't feel comfortable going there so like to even go like even norther you know even more white i was really nervous about going i remember like going to get takeout like pick up t- take it i was like oh i'm just really nervous going into this restaurant like you know Am I going to get stairs or whatever? Um, But, you know, I got my food and it was fine. It was like, okay, that seemed really normal. Um, But I still didn't go out to anywhere by myself. Like I didn't go like to a restaurant by myself. I didn't do anything fun up there except like drive around um, to go look at the leaves. So I don't, I guess it wasn't as bad as I thought, but I still wasn't like, okay now i'm free now i can go explore this city as i would have like i didn't go to like you know quaint little town and walk around i just i stuck to my hotel room and like a takeout restaurant and that was it but so i guess it wasn't as bad as i thought but i also didn't feel like okay i can now be free up here so that's one very distinct memory i have so what about new hampshire made you think that it would be weird or what had you heard about it? I didn't. I hadn't heard anything about it. I I just thought that it'd be, I'd be the like. I I, I just thought it'd be really white and that there's no Chinese people or Asian people up there. You know, it's funny. Wherever I go, I'm always like comforted by like the Chinese restaurant in town. I don't know. I just feel like okay, there's at least one, so that makes me feel good. That's kind of my like. I feel safer if I see a Chinese restaurant somewhere. Even if it's it's most likely crappy. <laughs> most likely. Well, what if the Chinese restaurant is not owned by Chinese people? You know, um, like, like if they're owned by, I mean, they're never owned by white people. Um, it's typically Chinese people who own Chinese restaurants. Now, the, the workers aren't necessarily all Chinese because... Maybe there's not a huge Chinese population up there, but typically there's at least one Chinese person in there, like taking your order, probably the owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't go to a Chinese restaurant in New Hampshire. I went to like an Applebee's, but I'm just saying on a side note, whenever I visit somewhere and there's a Chinese restaurant, I, at least I feel safe eating there. So like, In the town. What's that? In the town. Well, in that way. restaurant <laughs> specifically. Oh. Like if we're driving through, I remember we were driving through Texas going from Austin to Houston. And I was like even just nervous about the drive. Like we we're going to stop. But hey, we found a Chinese restaurant and that's where we stopped to eat. <laughs> even if we were mm-hmm. the only Chinese customers in there, at least that felt safe. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have a similar like north star when you travel like when you see this you're like okay i can feel at ease now um 
not a soul food restaurant necessarily, <laughs> but maybe, you know, black people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. out and about looking happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is a good sign that, you know, people are enjoying themselves. Um, I think a place that I visited recently that I was slightly nervous about is Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear so many terrible things. Well, you know, historically terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I never envisioned myself going to Mississippi necessarily. But, I mean, if you think about it, these southern states... This is where the majority of black people live. A lot of black people, I don't know if it's the majority, but a lot of black people live in these southern states mm-hmm. um, and have, you know, for historical reasons, of course, but they have been for centuries. So I went to Mississippi. I was a little nervous, never been to Mississippi. I went to Biloxi, which is on the coast, the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. It wasn't too bad. You know, I talked to the rental car guy. He was black. And I was like, how is it? Mm. He's like, oh, I love it down here. You know, it's great. I love it. I was like, okay. You say you love it. (laughs) I'll try to enjoy myself. So, yeah, it wasn't so bad. Mm. I think I I could go again. Um, I would love to visit more southern towns, like Arkansas, have family roots there, never been there, um, and other southern states. But, you know, that's just the preconception of, you know, red states mm-hmm. or former Confederate states. Um, it's kind of sticky, mm-hmm. sticky in your mind. But I think that we should try we should just try Mm. you know I know back in the day there was the green book Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of the green book Mm -hmm. it was a book created by um, I think he was a postal worker a black postal worker that basically created a guide for african-american travelers uh, for the different motels, hotels, restaurants that they would be welcome at, so they would feel safer traveling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes I wish we still had one of those, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. just so I could be sure, like, okay, this, you know, this town is not so bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, do you have any tips? or advice for people who want to travel domestically or internationally and are maybe concerned about how they'll be um, perceived or their experiences Mm -hmm. at a location? Yeah, I don't think I have any good tips uh, because I don't, unless it's a big city, I I don't typically travel to it. Or if I, like I'm really comfortable going to Asia because I, look I look Asian uh pretty pretty apparent so I don't feel unsafe traveling to uh places in Asia but other places yeah I don't really, I don't have any good I wish I had good advice I wish yeah there was a green book for and I guess there is kind of like you said the um the traveling while black 
website that you mentioned was good. You know, I don't know if there's a traveling while Asian one. I should look it up. But I think those are be really good. And I do like the social media accounts where a person of your identity is living abroad. So you can kind of get the inside scoop on, you know, like what's going on there and how perceptions may be or may not be. Uh, I do like traveling in groups or at least, you know, with with just my family, that safety in numbers for me. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't seek to travel alone anymore because I, I get just, I just, I think a lot more and I like safety in numbers. Uh, but no, I don't really have any good tips beyond that. And I think you're more traveled than I am. <laughs> so I would like to hear <laughs> your, I would like to hear your tips. Um, yeah, I am a, I'm a seasoned, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've traveled a little bit. I like to use TripAdvisor. Mm. Um, you know, look at the reviews. Look for black people leaving reviews mm-hmm. if they have their picture on their profile mm-hmm. to get a sense of like place, good places to go, you know, where you travel. Also, you know, they have Facebook groups. There's probably a Facebook group mm. related to your identity. Idea. that you can join and you know ask questions or follow people's adventures the only thing about facebook groups and social media accounts is people m- mostly post good you know, good experiences mm-hmm. you know you want to you want to post your best life mm-hmm. living your best life <laughs> and whatnot so they might you know people who had just okay or you know uncomfortable situations may not like post about it mm-hmm. but yeah I agree groups also can help I I do I've done both grew um traveling with friends or or tour groups versus solo travel with solo travel I usually like to um make sure I'm visiting someone there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like for example most um my first trip to the continent of africa i stayed with friends of friends um and so that was a good experience to you know just to have someone there locally um other than that i try to i try to plan i'm a planner (laughs) so i'll have i'll travel groups or tours or i'll you know, book a tour, you know, plan it all out <laughs> to minimize, you know, surprises. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are my tips. Yeah, those are, those are good tips. And it is nice to visit a friend or a friend of a friend because having that local experience is, is really great too. Yeah, I kind of like that more, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Because I really do... Like when I go to a different country, I like to see the culture. And sometimes if you just stay at a hotel or a resort, you don't really get the experience of, you know, what it, what it would be like to live there mm-hmm. or what the people who live there actually do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I, I do like that. Yeah, great tips. So... Lisa, have your travels abroad um, taught you anything about how race is viewed or used in the U.S. versus other places 
Hmm. Yeah, I think there's two two aspects to that answer. The first being, uh, so I spent quite well, not quite many years, like two years in in Taiwan working abroad, and I found that they for for their I think the they're the indigenous people um, are still. I mean, they're honored. Um, it's not like it's not like they were seen like lower class than the people who migrated or immigrated um, from mainline China. But that's you know, I've only I was only there for two years, so I could be wrong. Um, when it came to like quote unquote foreigners who who then uh, emigrated there, uh, you know, from Canada, white, black, like they were seen as like like you had mentioned earlier, like really special. Um, it wasn't like they were denigrated, you know, they were kind of uplifted as like, wow, you know, they went, they chose us, you know, they chose us to live, to, to, to live with. Um, and then the second part of that is like coming back to the States and realizing for myself, you know, my identity crisis when I was in my twenties is like, oh wow, I'm like really different than the majority of people here in the United States. Um, and growing up, I, you know, I assimilated, I wanted to be seen as white, act white. Um, but yeah, when I returned from Taiwan, um, I kind of finally had to come to terms with my otherness. So I think that it's very, it's like a stark, like you don't really realize it when you're here that there's a stark, well, for me anyway, I didn't realize there was a stark difference between me and the majority population, but having lived in a place where I was now the majority population, um, and then coming back to where I wasn't, I felt like personally this like realization, um, and then that realization has just, you know, gotten stronger, um, as I've grown older. So I think that it's a very unique way of thinking that we have here in the States and, um, like watching some movies where, um, people go overseas and they're like the, the main character is like wow i'm like treated equal over here whereas in the states they weren't it's just yeah it's, it's kind of like mind-boggling that you know you could just like take a flight somewhere and you're no longer like seen the same like you're you're equal to everyone else but um again that's that's my limited experience how about you mm-hmm. yeah it's it's weird it's like people just they just wanna they just they're just weird <laughs> <laughs> they have these very strange rules mm-hmm. like when I went to South Africa, you know South Africa uh had apartheid mm-hmm. you know dividing black um Africans from colored. Africans from the white population. And so when I went there and I saw, I went to the museum, I think it was a part-time museum. It's just like these people took it, took to the extreme. Mm. They really, you know, they had passes for black people telling them where they could and couldn't go, couldn't go in these neighborhoods. I mean, it was, it was pretty strict and rigid, but I remember I, when I was there, I went to an art, kind of an art conference, 
And the a speaker was talking about his first experience coming to South Africa back in the 60s as a, you know, as a visiting artist from, uh, from the U.S. And he's a black man. And he said that, you know, he was a little nervous about coming because of apartheid and terrible things going on. Mm. But he came anyway. And when he got there, he got a, a pass or, you know, some, some documentation that declared him as white. Mm -hmm. So he could freely move around the country. Mm. And it's like, how, how does that make sense? <laughs> I don't understand. Just cause it's kind of, it was like, you know, the people there in the local area, you know, in the country wants to subjugate these particular people. Mm. But if, you know, you come from another country, oh, we'll make an exception for you, even though you look probably just like the other black Africans. So it's pretty weird how this race thing has just evolved mm -hmm. in different places. So, yeah, I just feel like it's different everywhere. But I do think, you know, anti-blackness does pop up in a lot of places mm -hmm. in different ways and maybe under a different name or things like that but I think it's pervasive but I haven't felt the negative effects in my travels personally yet. So Jaslyn you mentioned that two girls took a pic asked to take a picture of you in Vietnam has that ever happened here in the US? Well that actually happened it happened where were we? We were in we were in D.C. <laughs> wow D.C. Yeah, we were in D.C. Me and my family were like, I guess having dinner at a restaurant. And a white lady was like, oh, my gosh, you guys look so nice. So pretty. Can we take a picture of you? And we're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like you two together. Come, you know, get together so I can take a picture of you. I'm like, no. What? No. I don't know you. So it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just beautiful. I just want <laughs> pictures of me. you are. You are. I know. I know. <laughs> maybe I should just give the people what they want, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess it pictures. seems more socially acceptable to when, you, when you're in a, a country not your own for someone to ask you for your picture. But in your own country, it's like, no, right? Did you? Right. Yeah, it's like. Why? Yeah. What? Was this woman like, foreign or did she seem like she was from no, the United States? She was an older lady, white lady. She mm. was, no, she was from here. I don't know. Maybe she was from a different state. Mm -hmm. Maybe she was visiting D.C. I don't know. Mm. But she definitely did ask for a picture. And mm. she might have taken one on the slide. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. very strange. That seems weird to me. It is weird. Yeah. And I've heard like people, black people say like, in other countries, maybe China, they're like, oh, are you Beyonce? Are you Jay-Z? You know, some mm -hmm. celebrity. And then, you know, people take pictures. I don't know. I don't know what the fascination is. I mean, they, I mean, I would agree. They are fascinated uh, because I, we were, I was saying how I went on this missions trip. There was a uh, black gentleman and, and he was also like super tall. So everywhere we went, like the kids loved him. They were just like, yeah, it's just like, Maybe because the kids see American culture 
as you know one thing they really love is like the nba so if they see like a tall black person they're like oh you know that person maybe in, in the nba i think it's just a idolization of that piece of american uh, u.s culture so it's almost like very mm. it's like ex- it's like really exotic or like special to them i think that's a problem because you know some of the only exports that is allowed from the u.s are like sports like i was reading something about will smith they didn't want will smith to do independence day Mm. the you know the big movie from the 90s because they said you know black lead wouldn't do well internationally Mm. so there's a lot of gatekeeping about what you know what's exported and what people see Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they probably only do see maybe sports or some negative image yeah um overseas yeah wasn't it yeah wasn't it was it someone in our movie chat who shared like the two star wars posters Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. People, black people, are still getting erased from movie posters, mm-hmm. like literally mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole nother topic. True. Yes, yeah, <laughs> a whole nother topic. But yeah, I think international perceptions of black people is either very limited or problematic. Are mm-hmm. the images that they see? So, I mean, what's the solution? We all just, like, get in a big caravan and <laughs> ride across the Asian continent saying, this is what black people look like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we do other things <laughs> right, right. besides sports and music. privilege of traveling I guess we're talking about our experiences traveling you know internationally and domestically but probably a lot of black people or you know people from immigrant communities don't really have the luxury or the privilege of traveling Mm -hmm. even outside of you know where they where they live to other states or other places in this country and outside of the country. So how do you think having the privilege of traveling, probably mostly reserved for white Americans, affects the perception of um, black people and, uh, you know, Asian Americans, Latino Americans Mm -hmm. in other countries? Yeah, that's a really, it's kind of like, it, it perpetuates the cycle, right? If less people from, let's say, immigrant families, black families can travel, then there's less exposure to them f- from other people around the world, around the country. Um, but at the same time, you know, they also 
are able to experience what it's like in a country that doesn't see them a certain way. Uh, and, you know, as as immigrant family growing up, we did, the only travel we took was that well, one trip to Taiwan. Uh, and then, you know, summer vacations were like, you know, other people are traveling to like, you know, the great parks or, you know, Disney World. Like we never did that growing up. But um, I can give my kids those kinds of experiences. You know, I am blessed to be able to do that um, to for me, I, I enjoy exposing them to different cultures. You know, I would like them to have uh, experiences where they're not the center of attention, you know, where we're not living, we're not just experience, you know, the U.S. culture. Um, and hopefully, like, that exposes other people to what Asian families are like in the U.S. Uh, you know, Asian American experience isn't well represented in media. Uh, and so it would be it'd be great if like they could see more of that so yeah i am blessed to be able to travel and to give my kids the experiences that i didn't have but yeah it's it's i think it's just going to perpetuate it's just going to be like this closed circle of feedback like you said if there's gatekeeping to media that's exported to other countries and those those people can't travel to those countries then you know, I don't know how we break that cycle. And it's also like a cycle of, you know, because your family or your community never traveled, you don't really have the experience or anybody to go to mm. to figure out how to travel. So maybe, you know, if you do have the means, you don't have the experience or the, you know, the desire even to travel I think it was because in grad school, my one of my good friends, she basically grew up overseas. Mm. Like her father worked in Saudi Arabia, and so he brought his whole family over there. So they had that experience of living overseas. I'm talking about a black family, a black American. And, you know, they would take vacations to different places in Africa. And, you know, so she grew up with that experience and... Even while in grad school, she would still travel um, to different countries. And so talking to her and uh, a few other friends and seeing their travels, I'm like, oh, wow, y'all really, y'all really out here. <laughs> That's this is amazing. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like something you have to see mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to think you can do it, too. And I think that's why a lot of these websites and uh, social media accounts are becoming popular. It's like, oh, for real? Mm -hmm. Black women solo traveling, mm -hmm. you know, to different places? That's okay. Yeah. Maybe it's something I can do as well. Or, you know, the travel groups, you know, a group of black people going, okay, that looks fun. I could join that group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you get a a little taste of travel then it's easier it becomes easier the more you do it mm -hmm. um so yeah i didn't grow up traveling and i yeah i never go on international until grad school and most of my vacations were to chicago mm -hmm. you know to be with my cousins during the summer or they would come to virginia um and i think it's both 
it was probably mostly a monetary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now that, you know, I'm, you know, more financially astute. Well, I wouldn't say astute, but I have, you know, some disposable income. I've planned trips with my family, you know, my mom and my brothers around the country. We've been to North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. So, you know, it's something I want to enjoy with my family now, you know. And it's, you know, it's just as fun now that we're older, you know. (laughs) We can do more things as adults. So kind of making up for uh, that time we didn't do it before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's more, you know, um, exposure and opportunities. I remember my mom said she did go to Spain when she was in grade school with her class. She was in Spanish class, Mm -hmm. but that was like her only international trip so maybe if children had more opportunities Mm -hmm. for that kind of travel it would be helpful especially for children without the means um to go on their own Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i do think it is a privilege to travel Comfortably. (laughs) Yeah, so. So what about your travels? Have you learned that you found is like better there than it is here in the U.S.? That could be like culturally or just the processes they have over there. I would say paying waitstaff properly and then tipping is truly based on the level of service if you choose to tip. Um, I remember in Vietnam, they, they, they like return our money. They were like, don't give us <laughs> tips. This is my job. Take your extra money and continue on your day. I was like, okay, fine. Here's <laughs> your change. You're right. It's like, you left, you, you left something. I was like, yeah, that's a tip. No, 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 no. Take that. Wow. They didn't even <laughs> accept your tip. That's, that's big. No, one. they were like offended. Like, take your money. I, you know, I know I did a good job. That's my job. Right, they take pride in their work. Yes, exactly. Healthcare. I mean, I had exceptional oh, yeah. healthcare when I was living in Taiwan. Exceptional mm. healthcare. Was it like you because you worked there, you were you were included in their system, or did you have to buy it? I was born in I was born in Taiwan, so I just I had to go to some government agency to kind of like update my ID and information. And as a citizen mm. of Taiwan, you got government healthcare. Just everyone had the same. But you could like walk into like an ER, you could walk up to any doctor, prescriptions were covered, you know, it was just so easy to get healthcare. Mm. You know, it wasn't like months of waiting for a doctor. You, you know, you, you, called the, you called any doctor, they had an appointment, you saw them done you know mm. you got your medication right mm-hmm. there you have to go to a pharmacy it was just man so it's like your information your medical history is stored in a national database i, I don't know i don't know where it is but somewhere how do they know oh yeah like drug interaction probably yeah. national healthcare system i guess yeah. you know and as an older person with healthcare in the u.s it sucks 
Okay, over there, you know, you you go old, you're re- you're 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 reno- you're renovated, you're well, you're re- reared, you're revered, you know. You you mm-hmm. get proper care as an elderly person if you need it. Whereas here, it's like, oh, you're on your own. You know, it's I don't like it. I like I like when you grow old that the government would take care of you. What about when you're young? What about when you're middle? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes, all the ages. Healthcare, healthcare. I would also like uh, paid there. paid child care as well. <laughs> yes, child care. Also, vacations. I forget where I was. It might have been Vietnam. Oh, I'm talking a lot about Vietnam. <laughs> but I think I met somebody there from Australia. Mm. And they're like, yeah, we're on vacation. I'm like, oh, how long are you here? Oh, you know, this is just one month of our four-month vacation. I was like, what? <laughs> four-month of vacation? <laughs> Four months of vacation. Really? Wow. Nice. Maybe it wasn't four months, but it was a lot longer mm. than what we get. So mm-hmm. some countries have like an extended vacation policy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's, you know, plural months instead of <laughs> measly two weeks <laughs> per year. Mm. So, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. What else did I like abroad? I mean, food overseas is just delicious. Of course, overseas food is delicious. <laughs> I like the tra- I like the transportation in Japan. Oh yes, yeah, true. So clean, mm. so timely, <laughs> so so uh, efficient, so abundant. Yes, you're right. <laughs> you know, trains every two minutes, mm. like on oh. on time. Were they on time too? On time, mm. like they apologize if they're late. Mm. <laughs> we would never right. get that in the u.s public transportation elsewhere is many notches above what we have here yeah and even in portugal like the buses mm. i learned you like to signal a bus you, you just put your little fingers out like hey you know stop for me and then mm. the bus will stop for you very nice very mm. clean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i love a good public transportation if it's done correctly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Good luck traveling here, ex- outside of like major metro- metropolitan areas, and probably just like New York. Maybe There's, the public transportation sucks. No, you could. Well, I've been to a couple places where you could get around. This was mm. before the age of Uber. Uber has made it uh, true. easier. True, they have. But before Uber, I was I was always looking for a bus to go somewhere. Okay. To get out of, you know, if I travel for a conference or, mm. you know, some event. If I wanted to go somewhere, I'd take a bus. Um, so Seattle, Seattle has buses. Mm. Houston has buses, but they're a little janky. <laughs> I prefer trains. I just, I feel like they're more reliable. I know where they're going. What? Not everyone has trains. You gotta. I know. How are you oh. gonna get around? Sure. Train. Uber, either the train or Uber. That's well, like before Uber, what were you doing pre-Uber? Does Philadelphia have a train? Yes, they do. It goes in. Well, yes, they they do. It's it's okay. I I took it growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, but as a tourist, I guess you could get down down, but yeah. But if you like lived in a suburb, it might have been a little difficult to take a public transportation down, but. It's not bad. It's not bad, I'll say. 
Yeah, so we could do better on public transportation. Not to mention, you know, the Shinkansen trains in Japan. I mean, Japan, you know, has got the transportation thing pretty covered. Mm. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that I found very convenient or I liked mm-hmm. that they did abroad more than how it is in the U.S., now, the U.S. is made up of many states, and, you know, each state has their own yeah, thing. True, so true. I can understand it's hard to get everybody on the same page, but I think it's worth a try. Mm. So that's our show, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, before we close, we'd like to do our Better World Nugget. And for me, something that I like to take away from today's conversation is to... You know, encourage our young people, you know, to travel, um, to give them the resources to travel, whether that be financially or, you know, with like you said earlier, with social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, websites, blogs. I think there's a lot more information that people can get to feel more comfortable traveling. So I am I am uh, hopeful for the future. Um, that we can travel to more places when we can see other people traveling there before us um, and writing about it and and in giving us you know ensure assurance that like it'll be okay going there. So I think I I see hope in the future of travel for um, people who may not have felt comfortable traveling, you know, ten fifteen years ago to certain places. How about you? I think my better world nugget is that we should try. We should get out there um, and visit, you know, these small towns, you know, in the U.S. Visit these southern states. (laughs) Visit these northern states. (laughs) We should see, I mean, you know, this is our country. So we shouldn't feel afraid to see it, explore it. And then that way, if we, you know, blow up on social media, everybody could see our traveling (laughs) and say, oh, I could do it too, you know. Mm. Um, And also, I agree with the resources for children. You know, if there's a nonprofit out there sending, you know, children abroad, I would support that. Mm. Um, Because I think it is important to know that the U.S. isn't the only country on the face of this planet, and there are other people who live, you know, in different ways all around the world. And I think it's important to understand that and maybe even experience it at some point in your life. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Racism's Podcast. Before you go, be sure to like or subscribe wherever you're listening to stay up to date on new episodes. And let us know how you felt about traveling, whether that's domestically within the U.S. or internationally. And share with us any resources you have for making travel more comfortable. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Racisms Podcast. And on our blog, racismspodcast.wordpress.com. And please consider visiting our Buy Me a Coffee page to show us that you'd like to have us back for more seasons. Peace, everyone. Be safe.
music for this episode was created by Jasmine Dukes, Kyle Carson, and Tony. This episode was edited and produced by Kyle Carson.